In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1 In this continuing Easter season, Paul reminds us that even well-meaning Christians may impose their traditions on other cultures, causing them to experience bondage. The enemy can use good for evil, and we must remember that we're all heirs together in God's household. I'm upset when Christians fight among themselves because of different biblical interpretations. When we find the truth in his word, we should set aside our judgment of others, find the face of God in all whom we meet, and know that Christ, by dying, has set us free from the bondage of sin, which was the yoke of slavery. Our Christian culture, when mixed with other cultures, is rich in unique expression around the world. This is all right, for as long as we stand firm, we are free. It doesn't matter how we love our creator, it's that we love and worship he who has given us the word that matters. If we criticize and compare and label and don't tolerate other professing Christians, then we'll eventually be destroyed by each other, says Paul, Galatians 5.15. And guess who will be a happy camper? Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Chris Orr, a spokesperson for the upcoming new classical Christian college, John Witherspoon, in South Dakota. My book excerpt looks at how my blue-eyed cowboy and I kept our children within one generation. And I have a little bit of a saga to report concerning the Department of Homeland Security. There are other little tidbits of McNenny life this hour, so settle back in your pillows and sip your tea while I chitter-chatter. First off, my report on the 50s-style American dinner club a la June Cleaver last Saturday. The house we went to was very much a June Cleaverish home, ranch-style, cosy with a great garden for the children to run around in. The fact that the hostess, Anne Dunwald, has written a parenting book called Even June Cleaver Forgot the Juice Box didn't hurt either. I wore a fancy black dress with a cardi casually slung over my shoulders, some high heels and the required string of pearls. My hair was cunningly poofed up in front to give the height all the women back then aspired to. Hubby wore jeans, white socks and black shoes and a comb in the pocket of his white t-shirt. His hair had great looking side fenders and eye-catching DA at the back. We were fashionably late by about 10 minutes and I still had my white sunglasses on as I walked in the house, was immediately hailed by my apron-toting counterparts as Jackie. I forgot my apron. Never mind that. Jackie never did any housework. We had a blast. The martinis were a hit. We had the regular ones to start with, and for those of you who are not cocktail aficionados, that means gin and dry vermouth. Shaken, not stirred, with an olive and a lemon twist. 
One is enough for anyone. With dinner, which was fried chicken, mum's best macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, stuffed steak, wilted salad, carrot souffle and lashings of gravy, we drank champers from little glasses. We ate our desserts, banana pudding, apple pie and upside down pineapple cake, outside under a clear sky with an almost full moon, accompanied by my Texan's killer chocolate martinis, vodka, creme de cacao, Irish cream and half and half, again shaken and not stirred, with grated chocolate as garnish, not for the faint-hearted. They gave me a going-away gift, photos of all our dinner club events to remember them by while we're away, and a journal to keep up with my stories, And the group has decided not to meet again, at least not formally, until we return, when it will be our official turn to host. Aww. And Malia spent the week on the couch. She was a very undemanding potato who slept most of the time after the extraction of her wisdom teeth. After the third day of her namesake of mashed potatoes to eat, jello and milkshake, she looked at the time and said, Is it only two o'clock? And I said... And you've already done so much. She found this funny. She did manage to rally herself for a college function and then complained that she thought one of her stitches had come out. So her lovely dad took her back to the hospital to be looked at by her oral surgeon, who makes her heart race. Malia said she was surrounded by five young doctors, all looking in her mouth and pronouncing her to be healing really well while she swooned countless times under their gazes. She ventured on a date last night and found that she could eat sushi quite successfully. But she continues to sleep during the day, like the raccoons. And she said to me that if she takes it really, really easy, her mouth will continue to heal well. I think she's just enjoying the valid excuse to spend her days in a state of semi-consciousness enhanced by some fairly strong painkillers. And on that relaxing note, I'm going to go to my book excerpt from the chapter entitled Keeping the Child in Childhood. We are shocked to find our peers having babies again, just when emptiness started to look appealing. We were now well into homeschooling. I think I confidently say that I had it down. We had routines that lasted for whole days. The children were self-starters. They tolerated each other quite well now that they were older, and Ian, at 18, was finally driving and had become the preferred choice of transportation. Note here that since he wasn't working, he was available as a taxi service virtually all the time. He'd let himself he'd let himself take just six hours at college to complete his Associate of Arts degree that semester and was literally doing our grocery shopping item by item, visiting all the grocery stores in a five-mile radius. His justification for this was that he was doing a price comparison and wanted to come home with the best deals. We drew the line at the Mercados, where he came home with generic brands that defied all recognition if he didn't have at least a nodding acquaintance with the language. Which, I'm sorry to say, I do not. Were it Latin or French, it would be a different matter. But Spanish, I'm sorry, forget it. Life was good. I was being rewarded with the faint glimmer of a light at the end of the homeschooler's tunnel. I began to look around me to see again what was out there for the aspiring empty nester. And I was startled by a whole new phenomenon lurking on the outskirts of my sheltered little world. Intergenerational family planning is what I playfully called it on my first encounter. When it began to show signs of encroaching on my turf, I hastily called it intergenerational family mismanagement and proceeded to disassociate myself from the adherents. You'll recognise them in a minute. 
They have a parcel of children, say four, evenly spaced at two-year increments. So far, so good. But when the first one gets to be about college age and all the others are walking, eating and dressing independently, not to mention mastering academics like reading, writing and arithmetic quite brilliantly, lo and behold, the bolt of lightning from heaven stuff begins to happen. These parents whom I hope we're not slowly turning into since it has been 12 years and I do have a college-age child and what would pass as a parcel of evenly spaced independent children. Anyway, these parents begin to procreate all over again. Then it becomes like the Lay's, oops, sorry about the pun, potato chip slogan where we're challenged to have just one. These reprocreating parents have to have at least two babies to keep each other company. For some reason, something happens to these level-headed and very mature parents close to being seniors at the AARP end of life. They forget that they already have an older set of children who, because of baby number two in this new family explosion, are pressed into early independence because, hello, there's no time to teach and nurture them anymore. A new generation of children has been started. A resurgence of teenage hormones must be the new bonding material between fathers and sons in these special families where brothers are old enough to be dads. I'm looking about at my newfound freedom and thinking, nah, not for me. I've told my mate that if he ever feels the need to hold a newborn baby, he's to drop in at the nearest nursery for an hour or so and then come home for a cold shower and an eye wash. The first, I believe, dampens and kills raging hormones quite effectively. The second rinses away any twinkles that may be lurking in his blue eyes. I actually caught my hubby waxing lyrical about the newborn next door. She's Asian, and yes, she does look like a porcelain doll. I looked him straight in his on-the-verge-of-twinkling eye and said, over my dead body, at which he grinned and said, okay, whatever turns you on. Honestly, middle age is akin to teenage, which is fine, but there are more ways to release youthful desires and aspirations than having more babies when the light is shining brightly at the end of the tunnel. For example, what's wrong with turning that grey head of hair blonde? Or losing the spare tyre that went on as sympathy weight for the pregnant wife? How about throwing a couple of dinner parties, reconnecting with some of those other friends before they rush off and add dependence to their tax returns? What about a weekend away without the children? They're old enough to stay at home alone now. Trust me, especially now that one of them is driving. What about resuming hobbies long since given up in favour of diaper changing and night feedings? For goodness sake, rediscover life with each other. Curb the urge to add more passel, no matter how cute. That next generation is for your children to create if they ever leave the nest and cleave to their spouse, as Paul says in Ephesians 5.31. And oh, what fun you'll have as grandparents, as long as you don't have resident aunts and uncles also taking their first steps and spitting up all over their nieces and nephews. These reburdened homeschoolers' tunnel lights must be way around the corner now, preceded by darkness and endless years of potty training, temper tantruming toddlers. Oh, I can't even bear to think about it. Anyway, according to my records, in this 14th year of Wildflower Academy, Ian left home. 
I felt as though I'd taken a great stride forward as I bid farewell to my oldest and boldest. I also felt as though I should be going to college too, since I did most of the work of finding the perfect school and getting him in. I must admit I was highly motivated. Rooms are quite a lucrative commodity in our area, and Ian's was a good-sized double. However, no path is without its pitfalls. Signs of immaturity, or should I say, the child in Ian raised its trepidatious head and developed cold feet. My light needed a new battery and fast. Ian and I had visited the campus of the College of Santa Fe. We employed Simon's gauge on whether something was safe or not by wandering around the interior and exterior of the grounds and buildings on our own, marking the very walkability of the space. Taking in the breathtaking views of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, inhaling the crisp spring air and laughing at the antics of prairie dogs, we declared it warm and fuzzy, which it was at the end of May with the cottonwood blossoming and the tumbleweed rolling. The elevation was wondrous for our asthma. The college itself was small, a student body of 700. The film department had two sound stages and I was sold. And now Ian needed woolly socks to push him over the edge and set him on the path to independence. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. LinkedIn. It's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. With the LinkedIn Lady Show, Wednesday afternoons at 5, 4 central on Toginet.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. The LinkedIn Lady will have interviews each week with a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us, won't you? Every Wednesday afternoon at 5, 4 Central. It's the LinkedIn Lady Show with host Carol McManus on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
Okay, my guest this afternoon is Chris Orr. Chris has his own social media consulting firm, is also a weatherman. He and his wife homeschooled briefly before returning their children to school, but because of the positive experience they had, they kept up with friends they made during that time. Chris is now on the board of a new classical college, which is looking to open its doors in the fall of 2012. Welcome to the show, Chris. Glad you could join me this week. Hello. Well... Um, first off, I want to um, ask you a little bit about your involvement in homeschooling, how you became involved in homeschooling. I know you, you told me a little bit about that, but I want you to share with my listeners. Well, we had uh, uh, our children in private school for uh, a couple of years when we lived in Minneapolis. So then when we moved to uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, we had our children in in. Uh, private school here, and then we decided that uh, we'd take them out and homeschool them. And we had a unique opportunity where I happened to have an office with extra office space, and so uh, maybe it was better called office schooling, because what we decided Mm -hmm. to do was to set up a classroom uh, in the spare office space. Mm -hmm. And, And that was a lot of fun, because at least I got to be involved as well. My wife did most of the teaching, but then uh, in my spare time, I drifted over to that office space and uh, helped out. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, and that it was a good experience because yeah. I loved it because I got to be with the kids and I got to control the education too. So, how old were they at the time? Uh, my son was in third grade and my daughter was in uh, sixth grade. Okay, so. And then, you know, oddly enough, I think around sixth or seventh grade with the, uh, I, uh, at some point, I think we started to run out of uh, a knowledge base for our kids. Uh, oh, I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it felt like it, though, you know. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it. But there's so much help out there, you know, books. And did you use a curriculum? Yes, uh, we yeah. used uh, Abeka, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you're in the social media business so you know just how much help there is out there on the internet how it's exploded off over the last few years i know when i was homeschooling we'd hardly ever used our computer because there just wasn't it just wasn't easy it was easier to go to the library and go through the catalogs and and do our research that way but now you know it's just so easy so um we have a, a strong network here in South Dakota mm-hmm. of uh, homeschoolers as well, both on mm-hmm. uh, uh, the west side of the state and then statewide. We mm-hmm. have about 3,000 homeschoolers here in the state. Oh, wow. That's a lot. And yes. um, you're, you're fairly north. So you, are you, you said that you moved from Minnesota to South Dakota. Is that Did you move to a warmer place or a colder place? Actually, we moved to a much warmer place. <laughs> Uh, people think that South Dakota is, is cold. Mm-hmm. Actually, here in the western part of the state, it's uh, very. Uh, we get mild, relatively mild winters. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, your job now, you have a social um, media consulting company. So, does your job keep you in an office, or can you kind of do your job from anywhere? Well, I can do my job from anywhere because now you just have, you know, if you have a laptop and mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work out of my home. I have mm-hmm. a home office, and so I'm able to do most of my work here, except when I go on site uh, to help a company out with uh, their social media program. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about social media. And funnily enough, one of the commercials just before we came back was about this new show about this woman talking about social media. And um, of course, it's becoming much more acceptable now, what much more widespread now. And um, I want you to talk a little bit about it. Tell us exactly what is involved in social media. Well, the, where I'm at, where I come from, is uh, uh, social media gives us that uh, ability to have a closer. Uh, communication with people mm-hmm. than we did say in the 1990s or mm-hmm. e- even before that you know we've become more spread out we don't necessarily live in small towns where uh, we know our neighbors and what they're doing and social media has really giving us given us an avenue to uh be in closer contact with people and find out what they're doing in their spare time or important things in their lives that we might not have known uh, necessarily unless we were um, uh, writing letters back and forth or picking mm-hmm. up the phone call. You pop on mm-hmm. Facebook and you go, mm-hmm. "Old Vivian uh, did such and such today. Mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for business, it's important to start working on making uh, good communication with your customers or your potential customers and listen to feedback Mm -hmm. and reach out to them. You know, it's very easy now for somebody to get online and say, hey, we had a really rotten service at such and such a place and the whole world knows. Yeah. Yeah. Businesses need to take control of that and also for good messages too and thank people for uh, using their services. And so do you think um, the the world of face-to-face and getting to know your neighbors um, is, is dying out and we're preferring to um, just talk to people electronically rather than in, in, in real life? I, I think in one aspect, uh, the social media is working to get that back because um, we're getting used to uh, communicating with people again. I think there was a period in there, uh, especially in the 80s and 90s perhaps, where we got away from that. And I think social media is making us uh, get back to communicating with people. So we were probably more private in the 80s and 90s, and now it's kind of <laughs> bust right yeah, I open. Think so. I, I yeah. think so. I, I think it's opened up a, a bigger world for us. and. And, and yeah. you know, maybe your neighbor's not on Facebook, but maybe now because you communicate with people online, you can be a little more outgoing and, yeah. and meet people next door. Unless you're, you know, just yeah. socially inept, I suppose. Well, and who knows when you're just typing something at a, at a, on a keyboard who, you know, what what some of the people are that you're talking to. I'm not saying, you know, they may be socially inept, but they might be really good at just kind of chit-chatting um, using their keyboards or whatever, which, I mean, there are a lot of computer-type people that are like that, you know. Well, I'm, I'm socially inept a lot of times. Myself. No, you don't sound at all socially inept. <laughs> <laughs> no, you sound very, very personable and easy to get on with. Um, so with the social media, yeah, okay, so you're um, involved at the moment in um, opening or preparing to open a university that's going to be um, a classically motivated educational institutional school um, college. Um, and so how does this, I mean, you know, students today, are they really interested in all of that classical stuff? Or, or you know, it, it kind of seems to be going against what the young people today are doing. You know, some of those old books are getting left on the shelf because, 
they don't capture the attention quite as well as maybe a book that you can get on you know sort of line or whatever and i no i don't think that's me no yeah, go I- uh, you you may be very right, but I think at some point it's going to turn around. Um, right now, I th- you know we got involved with this because uh, we wanted to number one start a Christian college in the western part of uh, South Dakota that would serve mm-hmm. a five state area, mm-hmm. but we also wanted to differentiate it from uh, perhaps a typical uh, Christian college, and but we also wanted to differentiate it from uh, some of the other classical colleges and classical colleges tend to go back to the uh, Harvard uh, education of uh, the late 1600s, early 1700s. We're kind of building on that because we want to create students or have students uh, think critically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're missing a lot of that uh, in our colleges today is to get their students to think for themselves, to, to really think things through. And we see that in some of our leaders, uh, both uh, uh, governmental leaders and business leaders, where they're, what are they thinking about? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That's, that's not just in, in indoctrination into some philosophy, but it's, you know, you, you learn information, you learn history back from the ancients mm-hmm. to now, mm-hmm. and you learn how to uh, speak before people, how to, pre- how to present your arguments in a logical fashion, those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's great. But how do you tear those kids away from their, you know, their connection, their iPhones, their <laughs> their computers? I'm I'm just I'm just thinking, you know, there's there's good and bad, and how do you how do we encourage our children not to overuse the social media? You know, when they're in their early twenties, and uh, encourage you know show them that there's, there's this other stuff is is very very important. I, well, you know, we can pull them away from uh, yes, well. social media <laughs> uh, and use it uh, for good. Um, but uh, uh, social media could probably be incorporated in this to uh, spread the word, too, that uh, there are alternative education, mm-hmm. uh, alternative ways to uh, educate people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we could use it in that fashion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. You just um, have to give the children the choice or the young people the choice and hope that um, they're sensible enough to um, realize that, you know, if they really, in the end, want to be able to talk and express themselves well then they really do need to you know put, you know go go back to um basics which is always good it's always it's, it's always a good thing to be able to do that so and i find sometimes with with all of this email and stuff that you can just be totally overwhelmed with all the messages that are being thrown at you so um sometimes it's good to be able to um sit back and not have to deal with that um right um, for those of you just joining us, I'm talking to uh, Chris Orr. We've been chatting um, about um, social media. Um, he consults with companies on how to make the fullest use of this social media, a new way of putting yourself out there that our children are more familiar with than we are at the moment. And when we return, we're going to talk about um, the, the new homeschool-friendly college preparing to open in Rapid City, South Dakota, next year. So... Um, 
we have about 30 seconds left, so don't go far. Come back. I'll be back in about um, 90 seconds after these um, few messages. And um, Chris, at the moment, our weather looks absolutely awful, and it looks as though it is going to open up and pour with rain. We've been waiting for three days. So I'm also going to harass you a little bit about weather forecasting. So come back. Sounds good. All right. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Doginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Chris, um, I would like now to talk a little bit about the um, classical university, classical college that is is going to be um, opening there in South Dakota. And um, one of the first things I want to ask is you you had said something a little bit earlier about um, you wanted to be different to other um, Christian classical schools. And and in what way? What, what What do you mean by that? Well, we're making our uh, classes, our courses, uh, number one, so that they're much easier to uh, transfer to public universities. You know, keeping uh, uh, kids at the same college 
over a number of years, you know, well, over four years, mm-hmm. um, can be uh, rather difficult, whether they're, they get bored silly or they're mm-hmm. moving on to something else. Mm-hmm. So all of our curriculum is uh, uh, being set up so that it can be transferred easily to other colleges. Mm-hmm. We're modifying that classical education a little bit so that we're covering more modern science mm-hmm. and um, uh, more modern history as well. Mm-hmm. Other classical colleges tend to be a little bit more old school, so to mm-hmm. speak. But mm-hmm. we're sticking with that whole format of a classical education, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, well, what always springs to mind with me, because I, I um, did a few years of trivium and did the classical education yep. with my children, is the logic and the rhetoric and the, you know, philosophy and, and um, that kind of thing, and then very heavy on, you know, English language and literature and whole books and stuff like that so right right yeah, and, yeah. you know with a humanities degree and that um, it's uh, should be relatively easy to go on into law or medicine or political science uh, right. those kinds of uh, advanced degrees right well you know and so many years have passed now since some of that ancient history that I, I know that in, in England some of the elementary schools and the, the lower level schools they, they were thinking okay do we really have to start back at the cavemen you know sort of stone age because if we do that by the time we get them at 8 to 18 we've only got halfway through our history we still haven't even come up to modern times yet so they're you know they're battling trying to think what should we leave out so that is that is a good point that you you raise Right, and and it's not. I don't think it's being taught as as well as it should be. But mm-hmm. uh, on the other hand, I think you know, forty years ago when I was in school, or thirty years ago, I don't remember how old I am. <laughs> Twenty um, years ago, whatever. <laughs> it seemed like they were able to start with uh, cavemen and then move on up. So why can't we do it now? Is that have we had that much history in the last uh, thirty or forty years? No, that, maybe it's just yeah. the way it's being taught or something like that. Uh, probably because we have other goofy things that we're teaching. Kids. That's going on, uh, yeah. Public schools, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So, um, okay, so a little bit more of a modern feel to the to the classics, but still right. embracing the traditional classic like feel. Um, right. Culture. The other thing is, and and uh, I'm not sure how uh, whether this is an exact distinctive for us, but. Uh, homeschoolers will be we're not going to take you know a hard line on homeschoolers so we're going to embrace homeschoolers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where in a public school situation or public university situation it might be a little more difficult to uh, transfer your homeschool education over necessarily yeah and look down upon mm-hmm. uh, do that yeah and um, uh, your you 11th and 12th grade you said I mean would you do some like dual credit type things yeah that's what we're working on here in South Dakota with the homeschoolers here is to uh, be able to do the dual credits Mm -hmm. and uh, what we understand from the homeschool associations here that that's going to that's going to be very important to the parents yeah uh, be able to do that Mm -hmm. Uh, you know so many times when you you're doing homeschooling by the time you get 
into your junior year, mm -hmm. uh, you've already got all the credits that are required by the state. Mm -hmm. And so your senior year, you're starting to work on AP stuff mm -hmm. and uh, some college courses as well. And so mm -hmm. we want to be able to work uh, very closely with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's, that's a really good way then of transferring without TAS tests and SATs and that kind of stuff. Because if you've already got a college record and somewhat of a college transcript, then you can you can transfer um, as a homeschooler. That's how I found we did it with our children. So, And that's what you're going to be doing, yeah? Yep, yep, yep. And so you will have your own um, little college entrance exam to see whether or not um, the 11th and 12th graders are, um, you know, academically ready and socially ready to come into college? Well, we're going to look at it from an application standpoint. Uh, okay. We're not going to have an exam per se, but look at it from an academic standpoint, uh, recommendation from uh, references, mm -hmm. and make a judgment call from there. Mm -hmm. And so um, how large are you looking at um, your college to be? Enrollment. Huge. Huge. Okay. Audience. No, um, uh, we wouldn't mind seeing, you know, eventually uh, getting up to a, a few hundred students. Mm -hmm. That's good. So. And you have your building, I, I presume. We are, you know, that is uh, the one thing that we're still working on is a building. Uh, here in Rapid City, uh, businesses tend to uh, thrive. Uh, we have not been hit by the economy the way uh, the rest of the oh. country has. So mm -hmm. actually uh, getting a building has been the slow spot. Yeah. Uh, it's been hard to get the uh, open facility that we could use. Uh-huh. And so what would you do? Would you would you start classes and just have them in um, sort of random places like a startup church might hold it in a gym somewhere or we is that what you're thinking about? We we will have a building. Okay. But our goal is to have a building by September one. Okay. Come hooker by crook. All right. Well that's like you're a board member, so that's up to you really, isn't it? <laughs> Well, You've our, just our, got to make it happen. <laughs> our, our big national announcement besides this, I guess this would be our first announcement, is uh, September 12th here in Rapid City, where we have uh, uh, state and national dignitaries are coming in well, great. And, uh, for the big announcement. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds that sounds wonderful. And you're also um, going to be at the Christian Home Educators of Colorado Conference. Yeah, we missed out on the booth, but if you're going to the, that conference, uh, we're going to have brochures uh, for John Witherspoon College and all of the welcome bags. Mm -hmm. So look for that. I love the name. John Witherspoon College? Yeah, yeah. so where, where does that come from? Well, uh, because of his uh, unique position in uh, the early education at uh, Princeton University mm -hmm. and uh, the classical education there. And so that's how we chose the name. Well, good. Okay, now, um, right, so if, for example, um, a student, you're, you're going to accept transfer students too, I would imagine, so that um, some students that maybe have done their first two years somewhere else can come in and finish off sure. at John Witherspoon, yeah. And sure. so um, not only will your courses be transferable to other colleges, other colleges' courses will transfer into your school too. Correct. Right? Correct. Okay. Correct. And um, so would you call your school a liberal arts school or a, what, what would you call it? 
uh, conservative art. No, it, it's going to be liberal arts. Uh, they are uh, our basic degree uh, to start out with is a uh, bachelor or a, uh, associates in humanities, which mm-hmm. will be built upon into a uh, bachelor's of humanities. And then uh, as we get more students, we'll offer other uh, basic degrees. And, you know, starting a school. OK, so do you already have professors lined up? We do. You do? Well, great. Yeah. We have uh, uh, professors lined up, and we're, we're set to go. Well, great. And, and uh, funding. Now, I went online. I didn't actually find Witherspoon, um, but I found something else. There's a, there's a, your, your school there, Black Hill. What's it called? Black oh, Hills I mean, Biblical Institute. That's right. That's right. I got that. So, is this something that's kind of like a, a, a branch from that? A, a, you know, sort of a Black Hills Biblical Institute started out first as mm-hmm. a uh, uh, a way that local pastors or South Dakota pastors and uh, laypersons who wanted to get uh, a, a better education in uh, Greek, Hebrew, uh, Bible studies, okay, uh, were able to do that. Uh-huh. And uh, and this is kind of an offshoot from that. Black Hills Biblical Institute will actually come in under John Witherspoon College okay. uh, within a couple of years or, or okay. so. Uh, JohnWitherspoonCollege.org will be uh, online, I believe, the first week of June. So okay. The site will be a, uh, All right. Okay. Uh, well, I can put... So on Facebook... Mm-hmm. Oh, on Witherspoon okay. College, you will find us on Facebook. Oh, okay. So now I got to I got to build that in, right? Yeah, you got to absolutely. But I was I was going to actually say, do you put that kind of thing on Facebook? But I guess you can put it. You can do anything. Do you do LinkedIn? Do you use LinkedIn? That seems more. I don't more have stable. LinkedIn. Um, you don't. Yeah. That was uh, a good, that's a good suggestion, though. Well, you know, it's a little bit more for businessmen, a little bit more, you know, sort of staid, I suppose. But, you know, a little bit more serious, perhaps, than yep. the Facebook image. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you could do that. What else could I suggest? No. Um, uh, listening to your voice, it's obvious that um, you were, why you were asked to um, anchor the morning news for your local NBC station. Did you enjoy doing that? Yeah, actually, I did. Yeah, uh, I did yeah. that for uh, three or four years. Yeah, started and first, out doing weather, and then yeah, and first thing in the morning. So was that really an early call? Oh, I I was up at uh, twelve thirty in the morning to prepare wow. six a.m. newscast. Wow. Well, um, you are also a meteorologist, and we have two minutes um, to go on our conversation, and I really can't let it go without mentioning the fact that you train um, meteorologists how to forecast weather. Isn't it easier these days? Isn't it all done on the computer with satellite and stuff like that? It's easier with the amount of information that we have, but Mm -hmm. uh, there is so much information out there. And really, uh, amazingly enough, a meteorologist... Uh, who graduates with a meteorology degree isn't well trained in weather forecasting. Yeah, That's an yeah. add-on. Really? They really? Trained in the, the weather forecasting aspect. Wow. Okay. Well, um, 
it's been great. We've come to the end of our time, and I've been talking to Chris Orr, meteorologist, homeschool advocate, and ex-Morning News anchor for the local NBC station. He's a social media consultant and sits on the board for a new classical college opening the, in the fall of 2012. JohnWitherspoonCollege.org will be up at the beginning of June, so go and look for it. And um, there's a conference in Colorado, and um, thank you so much for joining me, Chris. And you have a lovely, I don't know, sunny week. Ken, what's it going to be like? Mostly sunny for us. Oh, good. <laughs> you have a good weekend. Thank you, Vivian. You too. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Season Me is on Toginet, a delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not-so-serious call-in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Season Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcome. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview to help you. Season Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk. Tuesday evenings at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Mind Matters is the show that dares to ask what's on your mind. Take this opportunity to join Dr. Larry Ross, clinical psychologist and Joan Duhane, licensed clinical social worker, as they combined have over 50 years of experience in dealing with your mind. Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, only on Toginet Radio. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. My pleasure in talking to Mary Emma Palulo Willis once again last Friday was only surpassed by the wonderful information she gave all of us about her career as a learning success coach. For those of you who'd like to listen to our first natter when she told us about learning styles, go to my 20th show on June 11th, 2010 and download the podcast. You'll be heartened by what you hear because as intrepid and learning experts ourselves, we inherently know that our children all absorb what we share with them differently. Trying to behave as if one size fits all, whether you formally teach or unschool your munchkins, eventually backfires on us in many alarming ways. Talking confidentially about something to your other half, for example, while the children are otherwise engaged in the next room, oftentimes becomes the topic of conversation at bedtime or even blurted out loud at some family function. We've all been there. Our children learn, pay attention and soak up in numerous and unique ways. And we're best not to ignore this fact when we choose to withdraw them from the traditional school setting. 
Getting the best out of children by using their unique skills and preferred ways to learn is something that Mary Emma is an expert in. And how she got where she is today was the topic of last week's conversation. She was an organiser as a child, and although she thought she didn't go into the career that would best utilise these skills, that of secretary, by the end of the show, she'd realised that she had indeed been using these skills in cunning and non-obvious ways throughout her career. So while we may know exactly what we want to do as a child, we may not do it in exactly the way we think we will. Mary Emma went on to college and specialised in family therapy, but during a psychology class, she discovered that there was such a thing, albeit emerging, as learning disabilities. And she went on to work at a private learning centre for children with learning disabilities for 13 years. While she was there, she developed her skills in this area and realised that she was labelling children who did not actually have the learning disabilities that we associate with the phrase sight and hearing challenges, birth defects, serious injuries. But she found that more and more when a child started to show signs of learning in a different way to the way the classroom teacher or administrators were expecting, they were classified as learning disabled. So even if they didn't have a disability as such, they were labelled as having a learning problem since they learned differently. Mary Emma, in her wisdom, decided that she was doing the child and his or her family a disservice by treating uniqueness as a problem. So she went into private practice herself and for 20 years has endeavoured to right a wrong and bring out the star in this mis- these mislabeled children and adults. Thus, Mary Emma started her own business. She joined the ever so uncertain ranks of the self-employed. She became a renegade. She said her leap to becoming her own boss was nothing short of going with her gut instinct. She encourages everyone who feels passionately about something to go out and do it, whether it means working for yourself or for another person. Her experience boiled down to knowing that just because children and other learners functioned differently didn't mean that there was anything wrong with them. Wow, what a marvel. Who says that sitting at a desk taking notes from a textbook suits everyone? Well, traditional school, maybe. As a business owner, she naturally used those initial childhood skills of organization and in essence became her own business manager. But she cautions that when the time comes in your own business, that you have enough money in order to be able to hire somebody else to do so. She says, delegate, delegate, delegate. Otherwise, you get totally swamped with all of the work that you make yourself do. Anyway, over the years, her job and her personality developed through a series of building blocks, and each experience from a previous job has served as a stepping stone to the next level, and that happens in a lot of careers. Uh, My nursing friend from my last career show observed that when she started to get ho-hum about her job, she found a way to move on, still in the same field, just by using different skills. So Mary Emma ended our conversation by giving some really good interview advice, which I'm going to sum up right here because they were very important tips and they're reflective of someone who could well be looking at hiring you or your college age student. First off, Mary Emma says, find out about the company you're applying to, even if it is just, did I say just, a job's a job, even if it is a summer job, the owner, supervisor or interviewer will remember you if you know your stuff and have done your homework. You'll show respect and a, great, and a real interest. This time, this, this, 
research may be time-consuming, but it is worthwhile. You want to be paid, don't you? Remember, the interview is two-sided. You, the potential employee, will want to take a look at the company. Decide whether the job fits your expectations, whether you'll get on with the existing staff. Find out what the job description is and what your supervisor expects from you. Ask your own questions. This also sets you apart. Another tip, wear appropriate clothing. Although a tie for a young man and a dress for a young lady is not absolutely de rigueur, wearing holy jeans and heavily logoed T-shirts are probably not a good idea unless you're applying for a job at Hot Topic. Dress appropriately. Dare I say it, cover the tattoos and take out the face piercings. Make eye contact. This always makes your interviewer feel comfortable. Shake hands when meeting and when leaving. Maryama strongly advises role-playing also. Who likes to role-play? Come on, fess up. No, it's not the top of anyone's list of things to do, but I agree it is a valuable exercise. And on top of that, videoing the mock interview enables you to watch yourself and be critical. And ouch, it may hurt. Who knows? You may blink a lot or use your hands too much or say you know way too many times or just look awful in that get-up. Finally, send a thank you note. One, you never know if the person they hired worked out. They may have to revisit revisit their shortlist. And guess what? A thank you note may be the deal breaker. And two, you don't know who they know. You could be recommended to another company on the strength of your brilliant interview, which you didn't get because there's something you had no control over, like the boss's teenage students suddenly needed a job now. And when I was an employer at Ticketmaster, I had 100 telephone operators in my phone room during the summer, which was the peak season for me. I'd interview up to 20 people a day. There was no way going back through the application forms that I could remember everyone at the end of the week as I was making my second interview list. But those who stood out for me were the personable ones. They knew their staff, they dressed well, and they sent me a thank you note for seeing them. So I asked Mary Emma what got her out of bed and into work each morning. You know what she said? Appreciation. She knew she was making a difference in families' lives because they came back and told her. So go ahead and look for a career that you can benefit from emotionally. Money's great and pays the rent, but gratitude, now there's the soul of the job. Find Mary Emma at learningsuccess.com or Google her name, Mary Emma Halulo Willis, or pop onto tokineck.com for the link I have on my page. All right, storms are brewing outside. Here's my Homeland Security saga. Have you ever been to one of their offices? A more miserable collection of people would be difficult to find. My local office appeared to be under the gloom of a dark cloud. Even though the sun was shining outside, no one was smiling inside. Everyone had a scowl on their faces as if they hated being there. I was determined to make sure the officers I came in contact with had a good day or at least a good moment when they were with me. For the most part, my smiles were returned and my experience was quite pleasurable, if having fingerprints taken can be called pleasurable. The poor little man who took my fingerprints turned out to be quite sweet, although he needs to look in a mirror and practice smiling. They all do. He took two photographs of me because he didn't think the first one did me justice. How considerate. He told me I could smile. Funny, coming from someone in that office. I had some texts and said, your officer guy must have been the slowest one here. How come he took your photo twice? When I told him, he laughed. He agreed that obviously I had received special treatment. 
because everything to do with Homeland Security has to go through separate offices and red tape channels, I had to make a special appointment to take the next part of my test, the civics test, so that I could be naturalized by the time I leave America. This will enable me to return to my adopted country after being with my mother for a while. At least that's what I thought I was making an appointment for. When I showed up at the immigration office, also known as Homeland Security, about 30 miles from my home to take my test, I was almost word perfect. The children had been testing me all weekend to their great satisfaction, having the tables turned on them for a change. Well, on me for a change. When I went up to the reception counter, it turned out that I was wrong in my assumption that I was taking my test. My appointment was for me to ask them a question. What question, I wondered. Then I realised I had to ask if my interview could be expedited so that I could do it before I left for England on the 8th. Now, why couldn't I have done this over the phone or online? But, hey, it's a government office and I wasn't going to cause a fuss. I was given a number and told to wait in the almost empty foyer. After 30 minutes, I was called to a counter and there was the same lady that I had just checked in with. She was now wearing her Homeland Security officer hat. She asked me what what my question was, and I looked at her and thought, didn't we just do this over there a few minutes ago? But I repeated my request, and she said she'd have to ask her supervisor, but more than likely, the answer would be no, because having to return to England to look after my mother did not directly affect me. Huh? So I'm translating in my mind, my mother's ill health is her problem, not mine. Blue-eyed cowboy and I waited for the supervisor to get out of her two-hour meeting, were told via my officer that her supervisor had said I had to submit my request in writing and mail it to the office so that the department head could make the decision. I wondered if supervisor was really just another hat my officer was wearing. I couldn't write my request and hand it in to be taken to the correct office on the next floor, could I? No, I had to go home, write it and send it in an envelope to the building. I was just leaving. What does that snail mail, who does that snail mail stuff anymore anyway? Well, I guess the Homeland Security and Immigration do. I think the answer is still going to be no, for I got the feeling of non-compliance. They didn't care how much I was inconvenienced. I would have been, it would have been simple, I think, to fit me in. She suggested that there was a very slim chance that I may be squeezed in that day or the next, but nope, the department head now has to make the decision. My officer also told me that if I stay out of the country for longer than a year, I'll lose my residency unless I'm naturalised. I thought we were allies. Listen up next week for more on my return to England. Will I be able to come home? Da-da-dum. Well, the raccoons are now a week older and Sally, the older one, is running in that peculiar way that raccoons have. Three steps forward, two back, change direction and run off again. The boy Thor is gradually able to pull up onto his legs as long as I put him on a piece of carpet where he can gain traction. Otherwise, he scoots along on his tummy rather like a pre-crawling baby. Both of them spent all day yesterday awake and climbed for hours in their daytime cage, Thor sometimes getting stuck hanging upside down. I had to keep an eye on them and thought I'd never go to sleep. When the children were younger, they loved to feed the raccoons, so today I had a young homeschooling family over to feed and play with them for an hour. They were exhausted and are now fast asleep. The raccoons, too. 
Well, I've managed to go on for a whole other hour and it's time for me to bid you farewell for this week. We have Wildflower Festival on Saturday and a zoo tour on Sunday. And Eric at Tokina is marrying his sweetheart Kelly tomorrow at six o'clock. Happy wedding, Eric and Kelly. For this week, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toggy Net Radio. My guest, Chris Orr, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, and Rosemary. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Do, 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 And listen to Ali next. Bye. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Tokyo.